we are back. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, it seems like just when we think the State of the Nova Nation podcast, show, whatever you want to call it, is going to die and the door is going to close on it, it finds its way back and it's alive and thriving on this new platform we love to call viewhoops.com. Eugene, words can't even describe how excited I am to be be back doing this with you, to be on BU Hoops, and just to talk some college basketball again, because we're at a point in the sports world where, you know, we got a lot of stuff going on, and it's cool to talk about something different other than football or baseball, right? You know, I'm, I can't wait. I personally can't wait. I know you can't wait. I'm sure there are a thousand other people, definitely more than just a thousand, that can't wait for college basketball to begin again. Just want to take this moment to thank everyone who followed us last year on the podcast. Welcome back. Glad you were able to follow us to our new home on View hoops if you're new welcome to the show we cover villanova athletics we banter around we talk we give some analysis we give some takes we try to cover what we can about vu athletics and we're excited to bring this pod to you at view hoops and to all the new people out there i'd like to also give a special shout out for if you were there during the video show i guess that was technically three seasons ago yeah no yeah that was our senior year (laughs) yeah wow Um, (laughs) yeah yeah, that's a while ago now (laughs) glad that we made the switch to the audio podcast and i think it's been way more fun this way oh yeah i I look forward to yet another season of of the audio only format the video one was cool and and fun to to do behind the scenes but i i I just know know how you put up with that for a whole semester of the editing well actually that was a whole year that wasn't just the semester thing was it yeah it was the whole year didn't do so hot numbers wise but once we switched to the podcast form, it, it got a lot better. And it was just way more fun to produce and make and also just put together. Yeah. We got a lot to unpack this morning. Mm-hmm. Let's hop right to it. Yesterday was Big East Media Day at Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. I was there repping view hoops. So there were two halves of the day. We had men's basketball in the morning and women's in the afternoon. First thing that they greet you with is some preseason accolades. Big East preseason player of the year. None other than numero uno, Jalen Brunson. I'm not saying I'm shocked by that selection. I just thought that, honestly, I honestly thought Andrew Delgado was going to get it going into it. It's not, it's not a knock against Jalen. I mean, he's a great player, and if you guys listened last year, you know how much I love Jalen Brunson. I honestly was expecting Andrew Delgado myself. Not a knock on Jalen at all. I mean, I think he very much deserves it. JB crossover basketball. We know how smooth he is on the court when it comes to dishing, scoring, and defending. But last year, when it came to that Big East player of the year conversation, we felt it was pretty clear with Josh Hart. But for the people who, if they had to pick someone else, there was actually a good crowd that actually argued pretty well that Jalen Brunson would have been a pretty good pick if you didn't choose Josh Hart. Or even, some people even took it further and thought that Josh Hart could potentially lose to his own teammate in Jalen. Yeah, even going into last year, I mean, obviously we saw during the season last year, the training wheels come off. And I think a lot of people expected that. And I think that's why a lot of people said that because, you know, our senior year, his freshman year, it looked like he was stuck behind Arch and and let everything kind of flow through Arts. And Jalen just really had to adjust and learn how everything was going. And that's really how Jay has dealt with freshmen in the past. But now it's his time to shine this year. And I'm really looking forward to it to see him have full reign. And now he's probably going to be the primary scoring option on this team. So if he's allowed to go crazy with the ball and do whatever he wants, it's going to be really interesting. And I feel like he's very creative. I just can't wait to see what's in store for him this year. Yeah, not only am I very excited to see him take the court, especially when it comes to that November 10th season opener, but I'm also excited for Omari Spellman, who was named the Big East preseason freshman rookie of the year. Yeah, that doesn't doesn't shock me in the least. I mean, he probably should have been in contention last year, but, you know, the NCAA just has to get their hands onto every little thing that anybody does. Is there any other, like, big-time freshman coming in? Just I guess I just haven't kept up with it as much this year with recruiting. Do you know of any other big-time freshmen? None, none as big as Omari, physically and figuratively. Oh, okay. I guess it's cool that he is still technically a freshman. That helps him eligibility-wise, so I'm glad he didn't lose, like, an actual year due to that stupidity that the NCAA calls an infraction. Yeah, they they love to get their hands on everything, but not all the people who make money professionally or some people that have taken decades of paperless classes. 
Oh, right. Yeah, they they can just win the national championship without issue and go on their merry way like no big deal. Nice little slap <laughs> on the wrist. Oh, they just they just never cease to amaze me, do they? Happy your thoughts, though. Yes. What, can, what do you think we'll see from some O Boogie? Oh Boogie. Oh, I haven't heard that nickname. Is that is that what he's calling? I him? believe so. I've I've seen it dropped a few times and I think it's his Twitter handle actually. Oh really? Oh cool. Uh, yeah, what to expect. I obviously we all know the scouting reports by now. We knew it going into last year and then when he didn't play last year, I think even pe- some people even took more in-depth looks at him. So yeah, he's just stretch stretch four, right? You would say a four, right? Maybe maybe five, four or five option. Yeah, he was listed as a center, but the way I viewed him was really a stretch four. Yeah, so, I mean, he can hit the long shot. He can also play inside, but he's more of a face-up guy. I mean, I haven't seen him live yet other than I think I saw highlights of, was it the Spain games he played in? I don't know if they actually had highlights or not. I I saw some highlights of him at some point last year, and he's more of a face-up guy. He's more pick and pop. It's going to be interesting to see how they revolve this offense around him and Jalen because if they focus on the outside, you really don't have that inside presence anymore. So, I mean, look for us to really be you know shooting lots of threes again which it's Villanova so nothing's changed there yeah I think the games you're referring to was the blue and white scrimmage one thing that I found was interesting about the Spain games was that even though he was ruled ineligible or his eligibility was still under investigation at that point I would have thought that he he was able to play it in an exhibition game in Spain I mean he was traveling with the team I couldn't believe that NCAA sanctions even went across the pond to be honest with you yeah really no he didn't play in the Spain games? No, he, he was not eligible. Oh, oh dear Lord. That's, that's just stupid. All right, whatever. <laughs> At least he, he's reap, reaping the benefits now. Yeah, he's a, he's a big boy. He'll be able to bang around inside, help us defensively down low. He can also stretch out to the perimeter like you mentioned. Jay Wright mentioned that he feels that the redshirt year was actually the best thing for him. I don't know how you feel about that, but he yeah. had this to say. All freshmen struggle. Um, he came in talented, but not well conditioned. And he used last year to really get in great shape. And uh, and you can tell a, a big difference in his game this year because of his conditioning, his weight loss. Um, he's able to to use all his all of his abilities. You know, it was kind of like Chris Jenkins. You know, when Chris Jenkins got himself in shape, he he became a hell of a player. And and I hope Amari can do the same thing. Do you agree with? Coach Wright's assessment of the situation. Thought he was copied and pasted something from Chris Jenkins' sophomore year and just inputted it there. Because th- that's exactly what Chris Jenkins did. Came in, lost some weight, and developed into a better player. Granted, he didn't have the benefit of a re- uh, redshirt year. But to address your question, I mean, yeah, I, I, it definitely helps. You know, learn the offense, learn how to play in in the system. It, it definitely helps. I mean, you saw with Mikael Bridges, and I think that was probably the prime example of you know kid needs a red shirt here he needed to put on some weight he needed to get hit the gym and develop his shot and he's now turned into one of the premier players in the big east and definitely like one of the top two players in villanova's team right now and you and as i just mentioned with jalen brunson jay likes to you know take his time with freshmen he likes to ease them in puts on training wheels lets them develop his way that way he's not rushing them, and then they lose confidence, and then they don't develop correctly. And Jay, I feel like, is a great player development coach because of that. So if the rest of your year helps along with the player development, I will take the hit that we took last year by not having him on the team and rolling with what? It was like a six, seven-man rotation for you know the possibility of him being even greater and better down the road. I didn't even think about it like that with Mikael Bridges. That's actually a great comparison. I only really thought of it of the whole lost a lot of weight like Chris Jenkins, became three times the player after being in such great shape physically. I think Jay Wright and Amar Spellman seem to be making the most out of a pretty bad situation. And I think there's also – I think Amar Spellman's going to be on a warpath this year. He had to sit oh, out. Oh, yeah. guy. The guy seems like a very outspoken, energetic guy, and I think we're going to see a lot of that on the court. I think he's going to be war-ready. Yeah, it kind of it kind of reminds you of Tom Brady after being suspended for the uh, the Flategate thing. It's a technicality and all, and now he's just going to leave scorched earth and lead the team to a championship, obviously. I hope, because we were robbed of a starter and a big-time contributor last year. We were, and when you, when you saw how tired this team was in the round of 32, you kind of were hoping that you know he was there throughout the year to at least rest the tired legs. But, hey, I mean, it is what it is, and now you can only just look forward to this year and his next four years. So after they, the news of the 
two main awards. The Big East also announced its all-conference teams. They did a first and second team, as well as an honorable mention. There was only one Villanova representative of either of the lists. There were no first-team selections, no honorable mentions, but there was Mikhail Bridges, who was a preseason All-Big East second-team selection. You know, I, I didn't see Jalen Brunson on that first team, and I freaked out a bit, but then I remembered to our podcast last year when I asked you the exact question of why wasn't Josh Hart on the first team, and you said, oh, well, they don't put the, the player of the year candidate on the uh, first team. So I guess I understand that. Bridges as a second team player, that's fine. I'm looking at the first team now. Keelan Martin Butler, Marcus Foster, Kadeem Carrington, Angel Delgado, Trayvon Blewett. All five guys are recognizable names. All five guys have given Villanova trouble in the past. And all five guys are fantastic players. I can't argue with that. Then you're looking at the all biggie second team. Marcus Howard from Marquette. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a first team player when it's all said and done. Ronnie Bullock, Providence. Kyron Cartwright, Providence. Marcus Lavette, St. John. Shamori Pond, St. John. And then you got Bridge. They all contributed to their teams last year, especially Lavette and Pond as freshmen. I think they're going to be really good. And I think St. John's is going to start to turn around this year. I think this is the year they make a leap. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing really to argue with, and. Maybe when it's March, we'll be singing a different tune, but I have no qualms with any of these right now. And to add to that, the three honorable mentions were Kyrie Thomas from Creighton, Desi Rodriguez with Seton Hall, and J.P. McCura, Dennis the Menace from Xavier. J.P. McCura is still a thing, is he? You know, I got to talk to every team but (laughs) Xavier yesterday. And the first time I went to go talk to them, they were a way to do a TV spot. Okay, fair. Second time, I saw that they were back, and I was like, all right, I think I'm going to go approach them. As I'm making my way to the table, I see J.P. McCurra dabbing for a selfie, and I tell myself, no, it's okay. I'll, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think we'll live without some Xavier interviews this year. <laughs> why, 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 Eugene? Why was he dabbing? Did we not I, know this? He I, was don't, just, just I don't doing know. It. He was just dabbing, and it wasn't a single dab. It was rapid fire. He was... <laughs> He, he just kept going. He just would not stop. Someone needed to stop him. Jeez. Was he was he wearing his patented long sleeve or no? Under his suit, yes. Under his oh. suit. Oh, he, oh, they were in suits today. I thought yeah, they, were, they, were, they were in suits. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So after we look at the individual awards, we got to look at the preseason polls for the team rankings. And for the fourth year in a row, unanimous selection, Villanova is number one. Right behind the Cats is Seton Hall. This is the highest preseason ranking the Pirates have ever had since 2000-2001. They claim that we don't have a rivalry and that they don't treat us differently. When I spoke to Kadeen Carrington and Angel Delgado, they, they, say, they, they say that, okay. but I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, no, that's not true. <laughs> that is not true at all. I, I think I think I think both teams definitely respect each other, and I think they like playing against each other. Uh, the games are exciting. Well, yes. I, I think at the end of the day, they they want to be able to to be top dog on the court. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Number three is Xavier. Four is Providence. Five is Creighton. St. John's has bumped up to six. Marquette is number seven. Butler is number eight, and Georgetown DePaul are at the bottom. Can we can we just talk about Georgetown? Just seeing them at nine just shows how how quickly and swiftly they've fallen off a cliff. My my God. I will say though, the sad part about Georgetown is that we will never get a true assessment of how they really are because of the schedule that may be mistaken as a dessert menu. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I remember you sending me it when it first came out. I was like, dude, if you look at their what's the highest RPI they're playing at a conference? Isn't it like 180 or something like it's that? It's probably Richmond or Syracuse. Yeah, oh my gosh. That's insane. Like, everyone, I, else, everyone else is a special ed insomnia cookies or hopes cookies. <laughs> like 75% of their out-of-conference is like teams that are, had an RPI lower than 300. Like how do you allow for that? Like is Georgetown that much of a non-key like get that you got to schedule those type of schools? I just don't understand. God, and, and it's – I mean, obviously we talked about it last year a lot with JT3, but still. Some quotes and concepts from the coaches panel that I really wanted to bring attention to. One of them was how Val Ackerman and the coaches, they talked about how great it is that the Big East is a pure basketball conference, which 
I'll, I'll admit in the last couple of years, I thought that was just kind of like this marketing ploy, like, oh, <laughs> we're a part of this great conference. Like, I can't say anything bad about this quote unquote new Big East that a lot of people seem to have doubt for. Yeah. <laughs> but then J-Rod kind of sold me when he was up there and he was talking about how a lot of the other conferences out there, the quote unquote power five or even some of the big name schools, they don't have basketball as the main ticket. You know, you look at how Notre Dame, they had a pretty good basketball season last year, and I still feel like more people were hyped for their four and eight season on the football field. Yeah, they were. <laughs> that uh, that'll always be the case over there. But then you have the Big East schools like Providence. You know, I know that we have a football team, Georgetown has a football team, but the basketball team is like the hottest ticket in town at all ten of these schools. So when Val or Jay talk about how it's great that we're a pure basketball conference. Do you like this little club that we've established? Yeah, yeah, actually, I do. Because honestly, just growing up, I never grew up as like a college football fan. Like I, I love college football in itself. But like I never grew up a fan of a specific team. And because I was a fan of Villanova growing up, I was able to like actually appreciate the sport more. And the fact that the Big East was always about basketball and always about that. And then it kind of got taken over from football. Me personally, I, I obviously love it, but obviously the people in the SEC, fans of the SEC schools and the ACC schools, they probably could care less about it. And they probably think it's like a, like a little boys club over here. Like it's just like, it, it makes no sense to them. Why, why would they have basketball only? But I guess it just depends on like what you grew up watching and what you actually care more about football or basketball. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Like you growing up, I had no college football allegiances. I love watching bowl games. I love bowl season. I will watch yeah. as many of those games as I can or I any of the marquee matchups throughout the regular season. Same here. But I love I love how this, this conference, it's literally all about the basketball. It's all about the hoops. And we've established this this club that even though a lot of people don't get on the outside, I think that I love how it's kind of become a family in a way. We're Villanova guys, but when we're in the NCAA tournament, I've noticed that all the other schools are rooting for each other. Like you'll see yes. a Villanova fan rooting for Marquette or or Seton Hall or Xavier or Butler, mm-hmm. even though we beat up each other in the regular season when it comes to the NCAA tournament where it's us versus the quote-unquote big bad power five conferences. We're, we're, we're ride or die. Ride or die Big East yes. all the way. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that's because it, it stems that of the from the fact that we aren't a quote unquote power five. Like we want everyone to show that like er, everyone to know that we are a formidable conference with formidable teams. I feel like that by rooting each other on, it's kind of going against that, you know, anti power five thing that the NCAA has hyped up so much. And uh, just to clarify your point, I, I will never root for Seton Hall. So all eight other teams I'll root for, but Seton Hall no. So you are correct in that assessment. But yes, I, I found myself rooting for Xavier when they made it to the, what was it, the Elite Eight this year? Yeah, this past year? Yeah, they made the Elite Eight. Creighton when they're in, I always really liked, except for the Doug McDermott years. So yeah, that Providence, I have a soft spot for Marquette. I'm always rooting hard for because of Wisconsin. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I really like all the teams and like, there's no like public enemy figures in this conference, really. Like back in the old Big East, you had like Patrick Ewing that you can really get behind and hate like that old Georgetown team. But now outside of maybe Ian Hall with us, you, you don't really hate anyone. That is true. That is true. It's like Jim Beheim. Oh, yes. Hey. <laughs> Hated him, too. <laughs> yeah, him and, well, Louisville for that and other reasons now. <laughs> well, yeah, the, that's that's a whole other topic for another day. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get to that, we'll get to that. I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more things coming <laughs> out, too. So I, I feel like that story's not even done yet. Yeah, no, that's not even done yet. And, and you've been telling me that you, you think even more big names are going to come falling down with that so i can't i cannot wait ed cooley might have had the quote of the the whole day honestly he's always good for a few words he was asked about his excitement for his incoming freshman class and how it looks like he's about to have another stacked freshman class and he said quote freshmen come in and they think that they're still in high school i don't get excited about freshmen that's the honest to god truth i wait until they become sophomores Freshmen are gross. And then he even went on to elaborate, I mean all freshmen, not just Biggie's freshmen. I mean one and duns. All the big boy freshmen that you see that everyone hypes up doesn't buy into the hype at all. We always talk about one and duns 
how Villanova and us fans would love to see that. Like, I would love Cameron Reddish. I would love yeah. some of these high-profile guys. Mm-hmm. But we've become known for having players around for at least three, four years and developing over time. Does that Cooley, you know, does his – it was kind of a hot take at the time, and uh, yeah. I think it was pretty comical when he said it yesterday. But I think he has a point. Do you think he has a point? Yeah, yes, yes, uh, yes and no. <laughs> yes, because I, I feel that, yeah, the one-and-done culture has kind of taken over the sport, and I hate it. And it's really just led to – it's made me believe that, like, these schools like Kentucky, Duke – and, and and the like they're just like mercenary schools almost like they just go there and just do their thing and then they're out like you don't really build like a team like you can't really like even as like a fan you can't really get behind it proud to be a Villanova fan because we get guys who you know are going to be around at least three years and you're going to watch them grow and watch them develop into stars no matter if you're a three-star recruit like you were with Darren Hilliard or if you're a five-star recruit like Jalen Brunson it does not matter at all so I understand where Ed Cooley's coming from but at the same time, if you have somebody there, why not use them when you can have the potential to win? And I don't even remember what like, – I would say Chris Dunn was probably the best prospect to come out from under him. And did, did he even play as a freshman? I don't think so. So I, at least he sticks to his guns. But at the same time, like imagine like Chris Dunn on some of those Providence teams like from our early college years actually going like full-blown. After the panel, they, they broke everything up. All of the college players and coaches went to their stations – they kind of just sat around, waited for media reporters to come up to them. This is the fun part. This is this is what we go for. And the first person I spoke to was Phil Booth. And we have an update on his knee. And I have some good news. Because we were talking earlier in the month, during that blue and white scrimmage, how he sat out. He told City of Basketball Love that there was some knee tendonitis. Everything was all good just a week ago. And then all of a sudden... Things looked really bad all of a sudden again, but thankfully he's okay. He even assured to me over and over again that he'll he'll be okay, and that he sat out during the blue and white scrimmage is kind of a precautionary thing, because he really just has the whole season on his mind. But he said that the knee's feeling better than it did before it was hurt. What is your excitement level right now? I'm I'm pretty hyped on that. <laughs> because because like you said, you when you saw the news during the blue and white scrimmage, he wasn't playing. You're like, you're like, really? It's been, what, a couple of weeks into like basketball conditioning and he's already hurt? I mean, I guess it makes sense because you don't want to see him get hurt during the meaningless game. So I'm all for him sitting out. But if he's, if he's at 100%, this team is going to improve significantly because he's, just, he's back on the court. <laughs> I mean, we saw what he did during the national championship run. And the way he was able to turn on a switch after that brutal regular season – it was it was just phenomenal, and I was hoping that would lead into the next year, but then obviously you had the problem with the knee. And last year they could have used them a lot because, as we mentioned several times already, six, seven-man rotation, they were just down. They just didn't have enough bodies to really keep it going throughout the year. So it's an extra – he's going to be a starter most likely, I would assume, at, at the two with Jalen at the one. So that's great. Able to stretch out the floor, hopefully hit some clutch shots, dish out the ball. I mean, when that's what he, he does. He's a – prototypical guard that Villanova went after and got. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Now, that being said, I don't think he's going to be like a game changer or anything, but it's a nice piece to have back, and he will definitely help contribute to this team, and it's going to be he's going to present some options that this team didn't have last year. See, I, I think he's going to be a game changer. We haven't even really? seen him at his best yet. I understand that, you know, what he did during the national championship game, that's that's legendary. And unfortunately, he got, or I guess not too unfortunately, but it was totally overshadowed by that Chris Jenkins shot. Beautiful shot. Can't take it away from that. But his 20-point performance, you know, he, he he struggled throughout that whole season leading up to that game. Yes, he did. And he really balled out. He was nearly perfect. I think he only missed once in his 20-point game. And we haven't even seen him at his best. His freshman year, we remember what he was like off the bench. He was a real weapon. He oh, came he in phenomenal. efficient. Ken yes. Palm agrees. That was his highest efficiency rating yes. so far. Sophomore year, I'm going to give him props for playing through a torn meniscus the whole year because that's not, that's not easy. I mean, you see guys sit out because of that. And also to just really keep up with the punishment for 
all 40 games that year. That's pretty respectable playing through pain like that. I think if he's fully 100% healthy, we're going to see him build off of even what he did his freshman year, all those numbers. I think he's going to set some new career highs moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you hope so, obviously. I mean, he's had a whole year to get better in that sense, basketball-wise. I mean, I don't know how much work he was actually putting on the basketball than it compared to like actually recovering from the knee injury. So, I mean, I guess he's technically a senior, but he's a redshirt junior. So I, it'll definitely help with that. I know you said he's going to be a game changer. And I, I think he's just, I don't know. I just, I'm just concerned that he's going to be slow to the task initially, which is to be expected after missing a whole year. So, I mean, maybe with, once he gets his game feed under him, then yeah, I could see him maybe taking over a game or two if Jalen's having it off. But until then, I think he's a nice compliment piece. And I definitely going to give this team an extra threat, which is what this team needs. It needs more threats, the more threats, the better, because it's going to have a hard time scoring this year, which we will get into at some point during later episodes. So we have guys like Phil Booth and Amari Spellman now available this year. Death was such an issue last year, and it doesn't seem like it'll be one this year at all. Between them and the new guys coming in, Jermaine Samuels, Colin Gillespie, and Demir Cosby Roundtree. If Cosby Roundtree doesn't redshirt, I don't even know if that's on the, the table at all. But if he doesn't, Villanova will actually have five players standing in at six nine or taller on their roster. This is Jay's biggest team. He's he's never had a team like this in the last 10 years. And for reference, the five guys are Eric Pascal. It's Pascal, by the way, not Pascal. It's Pascal. Jay Wright finally (laughs) said it the right way for, like, everyone on the news. And I was so happy because finally someone pronounced it correctly. The moderator for the coach's panel pronounced it correctly, and I was so happy to hear Pascal. But aside from that, it's Eric Pascal, Dylan Painter, Tim Delaney, Omari Spellman, and Demir Cosby Roundtree. Five guys standing in this tall. How do you feel about this? I know we're guard you, but what can this do for this team? I think Pascal will have a much improved year. He's now knows the offense. He's a whole year under Jay Wright. I think they're going to work him in more. I think he's a good inside post presence. And I, I, he went up, he had a lot of plays last year. Where he went up strong. And it was really encouraging because we we've seen some guys in the past that just go up very soft and get blocked at the rim, but he seems to have seems to put in a full effort every time he tries to go up and tries to actually dunk the ball. <laughs> That's good to see Spellman, as you mentioned, but he's more of a stretch option. We'll see what what he can do inside. Not much is known, but we definitely know he can score outside. And then the other two guys you mentioned, Delaney and Painter, probably not going to see much. I don't even know if Tim Delaney is going to see the court, mainly just because of that hip injury, which absolutely sucks. And it's just so sad to see that this man may not ever ever play for this team. And then Painter obviously got some burn last year, but mainly as like an emergency because we were just running out of bodies at that point. You needed to, you, you couldn't have five guys go all 40 minutes. But it'll be interesting to see how he develops. I don't know how he's been looking camp early on, so we'll see what he can do. I mean, hopefully he's a, not as much of a liability on offense as he was last year in this limited minutes, but I did feel like he played a great off uh, defensive game. And then Cosby Roundtree, when you got these guys already, I think it might be best the redshirt. So I kind of hope he redshirts this year. But if he does get burned, I don't really know much about him. But I guess he could be more of like an advanced Daryl Reynolds, so to speak. I mean, I mean, you've talked about it before, uh, and I think that's what you've said to me, like as to like what to look forward to with him. I do think we'll have a pretty good inside scoring game. I don't know if it's going to be refined right away, but I think that the option will be more prevalent this year than it will be in years past. I felt like, right. look, just looking back, you know, you had Chef. Right. That was it. That was it that 2015-16 year. And then mm-hmm. Daryl Reynolds became a, a god out of nowhere. He just, <laughs> I don't know, I guess Jay just turned the switch on and mm-hmm. all of a sudden he was single-handedly Tearing down Providence at the dunk. So yeah, that, was, that was a great game. Yeah, it was an amazing game. Amazing performance, amazing game. But I think if you know all five guys can get around and contribute, I feel like we could have a pretty good inside scoring game. And that doesn't even account for the slashing that can be done by a smooth Euro step by Jalen Brunson. Oh, that's true. That's true. I, I really hope he attacks the basket this year more often. I mean, I, obviously he had to defer to Josh last year, which, you know, I obviously have no problem with. But if, if he can – utilize that euro step <laughs> like it, it's probably it's going to become super famous like maybe espn will even talk about it Ooh. they'll definitely have to when we play gonzaga for the jimmy v classic if they don't this that's a travesty oh right that's a thing this year isn't gonzaga didn't gonzaga get like devastated by graduation they did that, that simple thing <laughs> that, that is that is a thing that happens at these non-mercenary schools 
All right. Still should be a great game. But that, that's an MSG this year, right? Yeah, it's an MSG December 5th. So when I spoke to Phil Booth, Mikhail Bridges, and Jalen Brunson at Big East Media Day yesterday, I asked them, what was the one thing that you feel like you guys really need to work on as we're entering crunch time and the home stretch of the preseason before the regular season tips off on November 10th? They all told me the same thing, defense. Well, I thought the defense was pretty good last year. <laughs> but I know, right? I thought defense was like, oh, I, I, I guess I don't. I, I guess if you feel like you need to extra prepare, I don't know. I thought defense was the best part. Yeah, I mean, obviously, every team. I mean, over a course of season, you're going to have your lapses, and you're going to have games where you give up multi, like more points than your norm. But but still, hey, look, if they're looking to improve the defense, that that excites me, actually, because I can't wait to see what their defensive performance is going to be like this year. I, I love scoring. I love scoring in all sports. Like, I'm all for more scoring. But there's nothing like watching your team just stifle the heck out of an opponent. And when I went to Villanova-Virginia game last year, and I saw what Virginia was doing, and you know, Villanova's defense was equally as great. I don't know. That was just a fun game to watch. It wasn't brutal in the sense because it wasn't like you know brick after brick after brick. It was just good defense, and you know the quality shot just wasn't there, and you're able to break down the team. And it's it's nice to see like an offense actually work around the defense. You know, try to break them down at the same time. It's like a nice little chess match. So hey, more deep, more work on the defense for a better defense. I'm all for it. Hey, if we can hold teams under 65 points, you're probably going to win every game. So I, I look forward to watching the defense this year. And I think it's just a matter of getting guys accustomed to that press because there's just a, there's such a sweet science to that full-court press that Villanova runs. What a disciplined defense can do to create offense and create scoring opportunities and create easy buckets. Yeah, I mean, like, like, yeah, like you said, with the press, like if you trap them in the backcourt, you get a 10-second violation, and then you get the ball right away, and they don't even get their shot. Or you force a turnover off the press, and then you go right down for an easy layup. Their best offense is their defense this year, I'll take it. So before we hopped on the mic, you brought up a great point, how this team actually does not have any seniors listed on the roster outside of a few walk-ons. Yeah, guys like Phil Booth, Technically, is a senior academically, but he's listed as a redshirt junior. Same goes for Bridges. While we should feel great because Villanova basketball players typically stay all four years, we do have two players that are on the NBA radar, namely Bridges and Brunson. Zero to 100, what percent chance do you think Bridges and or Brunson leave after this upcoming season? I'd say it's less than 50% on both. I just don't see either of them leaving early. I, I've just had this thought in my mind that they're both four-year guys. Mainly, I, I'd say Bridges has, is least likely to leave. I know he was popping up in some draft boards, like first-round option last year, and I was just like, uh, okay. I know he's a great defender and all, but I, hey, look, if you want to harness that potential, I'm all for it. Like He, he has a lot of potential. I, still, I feel like there's still a lot left untapped with him but I feel that another year of college after this one he's gonna is gonna really benefit him improve his scoring and you know his defense and in this almost that perfection and then Jalen you can see him leaving like you said a lot last year if he has a great tournament that he might just leave because you know his stock just can't get up can't get any higher uh and I think now that you had the precedent with Josh and Chris Jenkins last year where they both opted to come back for another year. I felt like Josh kind of stayed at the same spot, even though he had like a great year last year. I felt like he really didn't improve his draft stock that much, even after that great year. And then Chris Jenkins just you know, fell off a cliff. So he might be a little wary of that and say, hey, my two teammates didn't really do much by staying, so maybe I'll go myself. But like I said, and like you said last year, I think that's only if he has a great tournament run. So as of right now, I still think that he stays for another year because then he can be the key senior you know kind of like how arch was back in the day and you know really lead this team to possibly another final four and i think i think that actually appeals i do know that he's think about 53 or 63 points away from hitting the thousand point mark which we'll definitely keep an eye out for because he should probably get that in the first three or four games maybe even the second game if he does very well they they did talk about it a little bit pretty much the stuff you you kind of expect uh bridges was talking about how He's not really thinking about that, thinking about the team and this upcoming season, and you can't really help the team if you're thinking about the NBA. But I thought Jalen Brunson had a pretty interesting approach to it. 
And usually we see a lot of guys dart for the cash, dart for the glory, dart for playing in the NBA. But he said, quote, I talk to my mom and dad all the time, and obviously I want to play in the NBA. That's my goal. But the NBA isn't going anywhere. I just want to get my degree. I just want to fulfill that part first before I try doing anything else. End quote. Well, that's encouraging if you're a Philadelphia fan. That's very encouraging. That's very, very. This is the kind of guy you want. This is the this is the attitude that they speak about. Right, right. But I mean, is he going to be saying the same thing if he like drops like thirty a game in the NCAA tournament and gets this team to like an Elite Eight, Final Four type thing? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you can say that in October when you haven't played a game yet. So, I, look, I, I want him to stay because I'm a Villanova fan. Like, but still. <laughs> if the opportunity is there, I'm all for him taking it. As of last spring, I do know that he did say on the record that he was trying to graduate in three years. I don't know how that's going. I'm going to assume that he's on track to do that. So it yeah. can really still go either way. But I do like the whole the NBA is not going anywhere type of type spiel. Uh, I really like that a lot. Um, I think it's a very realistic outlook on it. I think if you're talented, you'll you'll definitely find a way to make it on an NBA roster. That's true. That's true. Even if even if he has like an injury or something that reduces his draft stock or whatever it may be, he I'm sure some team will give him a shot. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Knock, knock on wood. wood. Obviously, yeah. I mean, the Sixers always give up filling all the players that, that courtesy tryout. I feel like too. So, all right, Dylan Ennis tries. <laughs> There's always the talk about one and dones amateurism rules, especially with the recent NCAA happenings by a uh, former Big East team. Jay Wright was asked about the, you know, what do you, what do you tell fans who are just kind of really skeptical about what's going on about college basketball? Clearly there's going to be, there's going to be some sort of big change that comes out of all this. Once the FBI investigations are done and the NCAA decides to finally hand out some punishments. And he thinks that, College basketball fans should really just focus on the positives and that we have a lot of great programs and not the bad ones, not the bad seeds. And he hopes that the new NCAA committee will work with the NBA to come up with a better solution when it comes to dealing with the one-and-done rule, possibly even paying student-athletes. He said, quote, I just wish the rule was if you're good enough to get paid to play college basketball out of high school, you can get paid to play basketball. And if you're going to go to college, to get an education, you'll have to be there at least three years, end quote. Agree or disagree, should, I guess this is like what they do with college baseball. Do you think that rule would work out for the NBA? I don't know. I kind of, I feel like with the NBA it's, and just basketball in general, it's just very tricky because you've seen guys go from the high school level to the NBA and make an immediate impact. And I feel like this is the only sport where you can do that. Imagine someone from high school going straight to the NFL or someone from high school going straight to the MLB or someone from high school going straight to the NHL. It's, you just don't, you don't, you never see it. You would never see it in any of those sports. Maybe hockey, I think sometimes every now and then you do get one of that. The NFL, those kids would get trampled. And in the MLB, those kids would look foolish facing major league pitching. The NBA, but with basketball, it's the complete opposite. So I don't think that there's a perfect rule out there. And three years, why not just do four? And honestly, I think the simple solution to this is just, just if, just don't even have the one-and-done rule. Just if you want to go, go. Let them go. I mean, it's going to hurt college basketball. And as a college basketball fan, it, that would suck. But you, I think you kind of have to do that because if, the, if you just get these mercenary schools now, it's just becoming ridiculous. And you get a different – like Duke can win back-to-back years and they can have two completely different teams. It's just – it's not it's not cool. It's not fun. And, like, as a, and as a fan again, like, you, you can't get behind them. You can't because you, there's just a different squad every year. But I, I see where Jay's coming from. But like three, just three years. Why? Why three? Like I, I feel like you could just pick any number at that point. I think it's because he kind of argued that if you're going three, you're making the commitment and trying to get an education. As, versus if you want to leave early, that's fine. Like you're, you know, right. you're going to play pro or in the G League or wherever you decide to go, mm-hmm. and it's something that you want to do. Versus you know, we have guys like Ben Simmons who they weren't there to play school. No. What 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 was his GPA? Like a point four that he was Yeah, it was 
Yeah, he was ineligible for postseason awards because of this. Like it was, it was unreal. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But like you, you, but you said that if Jay's coming from the point of the education standpoint, then why not just make it no cap, no restriction whatsoever? Just have the guys from high school want to go play in the NBA because if they were fully committed to the education, they would go to college. Why commit yourself to three years when you know you're going to commit yourself to four? Is is what I guess is what I'm saying. Like if you were really edu- interested in that education, then you would go to college regardless of what the cap is. So that that's that's just my viewpoint. I think Jay Loki looks at Calipari and Coach K and is like, "Oh yeah, you guys and your one and dones." But dude, if you had to really coach and develop players, I think oh, I'd beat you. I think absolutely. I'd beat you. I think oh, I'd have you. Absolutely, you're exactly right. He definitely looks at them with like that. I mean, obviously. Coach K had his teams back in the '90s, and you know, I guess those were four-year guys. I mean, Leitner was a four-year guy. I mean, but Calipari never really did it. <laughs> so <laughs> Calipari just shows up to the AAU tournaments or gets his scouts out there, and it's like, I just want to report for the top twenty guys, and we're just going to send them interest letters. Yep, and then he'll get five of them. There's your starting lineup for the next year, and then let's do the same rinse repeat next year, and there you go. That's the Kentucky way. I guess it works to some extent. Well, we keep an eye on the men's basketball team until they have their season opening game against Columbia. Man, put PTSD. Talk about OG PTSD. Yeah. Oh, boy. I really hope that doesn't come full circle where it's like <laughs> the Columbia game we lost our freshman year was like the beginning of the turnaround for the program. I hope we don't lose to them this time and it becomes the collapse. But <laughs> Can you imagine? So that'd, be, that'd be horrible. That would be horrible. But hey, we're, that's why we're not trying to look into these things that much. It's just Columbia. We, we, we can do this, guys. We can do this. So I took a little break at Big East Media Day, ran into a former State of the Nova Nation host and Villanova reporter, Pat Ralph. Oh, how, how, how is Pat doing? He's doing great. Graduated from Columbia Grad School. Ah. And he was there to cover some of the women's teams on Media Day. So, on the women's side of college basketball, Big East Hoops, defending champion Marquette is number one in the preseason coaches poll. Can't be too surprised. I mean, after all, they do bring back four starters, including the reigning Big East player of the year, Aliziah Blockton, who is just a junior. So, it, it sounds like Marquette's going to be one of the top dogs for a while. Then after that, you got DePaul, who has an excellent women's basketball team. They have a great program over there. They got knocked off by Marquette last year after holding the fort for a while. Mm-hmm. They also have this year's preseason rookie of the year in Dee Bakelja. But then, after Marquette, after DePaul, climbing up to number three is our own Villanova Wildcats. They shot up after a deep WNIT run last year. We talked about them on pod when we did this last season. The best part about it all, Chris, is that everybody is back. Oh, that's good. That, that Yeah, that usually leads to uh, good, good things in the next year. <laughs> you, you, you see that a lot. It's like if a team makes like a deep postseason run regardless of the tournament and then they keep all, their, all the key pieces, it, it usually leads to much more improved things down the road. Yeah, and unfortunately for some of the newcomers, the two scholarship players, Sam Karanji and Emily Esposito, they're going to redshirt this year as a result. Kind of sucks. You really wish you could play right away or contribute in some way. But I guess when your roster is as crowded as it is and they're bringing off three seasons and they're bringing up three players coming off of a redshirt year, it's going to be a little congested. Yeah, I didn't realize how deep they were. I mean, if you are if you have two scholarship players <laughs> redshirting because of that, that, that's pretty nuts. I mean, look at the men's team. They, they, they have as many walk-ins as they want now. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's story for another time. Oh yes, yes, yes. The the expanded bench mob. Yeah, but hey, hey, more bench mob the better, right? Junior Adriana Hahn is back in action. She led the Cats in scoring when it, during conference play last season, and she notched sixty five percent of her points from beyond the arc. So shoot 'em up, sleep in the streets is not limited to just Jay Wright's guys. Yeah, I remember mentioning her a lot last year with uh, the, the crazy three point lines wasn't there there was a couple games last year where i think they actually shot more three-pointers than actual like inside the arc e- even inside the arc and free throws i remember they didn't even get the free throw line a lot last year 
But hey, if if they're hitting, they can probably beat any of these teams. Yeah, she's she's excellent. I mean, like you said, there were there were a few games like that where it was just absolutely crazy. Jay Wright's dream, <laughs> seeing all these threes just hucked up. <laughs> she was one of four unanimous preseason All Big East team selections. Her along with Erica Davenport, Deanna White, and Tori Schickel. They also have Alex Lewin, their top returning scorer. She can do a little of everything. Then you also have Jana Tucker, a solid who had a solid first season after transferring in from Tennessee, and Megan Quinn, who will be locking the things down inside. Yeah, Alex Lewin, you know, was probably one of probably Villanova's best player last year. And Jana Tucker, didn't she have a wasn't didn't she transfer because of injuries? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. had a, a knee thing. Yeah, so hopefully she's able to stay healthy and actually contribute and live up to her potential before the uh, injuries really derailed her career at Tennessee. But hey, looking looking forward to this year. Hopefully they can actually you know build upon that WNIT run. Yeah, Harry Pareto is pretty excited. He's pretty excited to bring his team back. I talked to him about it. He said he's a little a little concerned about them being a little complacent or thinking that because they have all these pieces together that things will just automatically be good, that they're guaranteed wins. But I think, he, you know, he's, he's really trying to push them hard in practice to get rid of that mindset and focus up and go back to being hungry like they were last season. As we come closer to the regular season for women's hoops, you know, just also keep an eye out for Kelly Jaycott, the Hurley sisters, Mary Gadaka and Grace Stant. A lot of the young cats who really were able to perform well last year and Coach Preda thinks that they're going to be able to step up big again this year. First games against Hartford on November 10th. They'll have a preseason exhibition game on November 1st against East Stroudsburg. They'll be playing in Jake Nevin Fieldhouse this year, so if you're on campus, you can just take a nice little stroll down. We'll put an end to Big East Media Day with that, and we got some fan questions. Oh, I, I am so glad we actually got fan questions because we tried last year to get some fan questions. It was very hit or miss last year. It, it was very hit or miss. So it's, it's, it's good to see that we were actually loaded this time. Because we got a bunch, and this is the first episode of the new season, we're going we're gonna to welcome four questions from Esteban de Moore. Hopefully I pronounced that right. I think I did. Mm-hmm. Got four questions. The first one, how often will Anna Kendrick be a guest? Once a week or every other week? <laughs> Oh man, would that be cool to get her? I know, I know the VU hoops comment section is infatuated with her. I, I have done my research on that. I was wondering why Anna Kendrick, but I have now recently found out why. One of the podcasts I listen to, it's called Puck Soup. They're one of their things is they try to get Margot Robbie on because she's like a real big hockey fan apparently, even though she's from Australia. She's like a big, real big Rangers fan, and like they they are infatuated with trying to get her on. So maybe we can use. We do the same thing and be infatuated with trying to get Hannah Kendrick on. Yeah, I hear Anna's pretty busy, so I don't think we can guarantee once a week or every other week. <sighs> but my friend Rachel has been told that she looks a lot like her, so maybe we can get her on. Oh, right. That's right. I could believe. Yeah, I remember her. She was she was the radio. She, she did radio with you, right? She did. Yeah, she did do radio with me during yeah, she, my time on the main line. She, she did have a uh, Anna Kendrick resemblance there, I will. I will say that. She did. This next question is, will you try and have Jane Galley as a guest? Uh, yes. No, <laughs> no does because she's a villain. But I will pose this follow-up question. Bigger villain, Jane Galley, NC State in 2015, or heck, you can even add Sterling Gibbs for punching Arch in the face. Which one's the bigger villain out of all three of them? Ah, <laughs> uh, great question. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with NC State. Still not. No, I'm over it. But they were just, oh, why, why, why NC State? <laughs> that, never, I don't want to talk about it. But, but we'll, we'll, run, we'll run a Twitter poll to see what, what the, the general public thinks. And also, Jane Galley, when we were doing the research for this question, I love how if you type her, Google her name, she comes up as like a makeup artist for like the Pirates of the Caribbean. And I was like, well, who the heck is Jane Galley? <laughs> and then if you type in Jane Galley Villanova, it finally, it says, oh, she, she doesn't, she's not a big fan of the school because of windows or something. And I'm just like, oh, that's, that's, that's why she's being asked about. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, yeah. She's, she's becoming public enemy number one, I guess. Yeah, she's definitely one of those people who tell you to get off her lawn, even though you're on the sidewalk. <laughs> With her, like, uh, walker. 
cane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The third question is, what will this team be better at than last year's team? How about worse at? Can we answer the worst at part? Because I got a pretty easy answer. What's your answer? (laughs) Uh, Scoring. (laughs) I just don't know who's going to score. Outside of Jalen, do you really trust anybody to score on this team? I mean, look, you got Omari, who I honestly think is probably the next best option as like a pure scorer, but I mean, he's a freshman, so you don't really know what to expect yet. I don't know how Phil's going to come off of that knee injury. And if he isn't able to go, I mean, Mikhail can score, I guess, but he's not like going to drop like 15, 20 at night. Like I'm not expecting people to drop 15, 20 at night, but like Josh could do that on a regular basis. Jenkins, when he was hot, he can do that. And then you had Jalen on top of it. But if Jalen's just the main option, I'm a little, I'm a little concerned early on. Granted, I do think the defense will be improved, but I don't know. What say you? I'm not exactly sure about where that. I see where you're coming from when it comes to outside of Jalen Brunson. Who do you give the ball to for consistent offensive output? That's that's a very valid point. I do think that this team will will have better front court options just because we're going to be so deep this year, and depth is not going to be an issue. That's kind of a cop-out answer, but when you look at the front court and what Villanova has, this is one of Jay Wright's tallest teams in the last 10 years. I mean, there are five, five players that stand six and nine or taller. If you don't believe me, look it up on the roster sheet. And I think that because of this, you know, Villanova will actually have more of a front court presence than they would have compared to last year and also just some of the more recent years. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I'll agree with you. Also, someone I just completely overlooked, and it just occurred to me right now, Dante DiVincenzo. How the heck did I forget about him? <laughs> I, you know, I, in terms of just scoring options, he actually might be number two. When it, in, in reality, he might be number two when it, when it comes to scoring. And, you know, not eh, if, he, if it's second half Dante, I'm all for it. But if it's first half Dante of last year, we, we might be in for a long season. But yeah, if, it, if it's Dante from the NC, the two NCAA tournament games, I think Villanova will be in excellent shape. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And I honestly think that he's going to take a big step this year. But if, if he reverts at all, like, oh, it's just not good. <laughs> it, it was pretty brutal watching in the beginning of the year. But I, I don't think that'll happen. I think he'll progress because that's, that's what these guys do here. And Esteban's last question. If this team wins some combo of the regular season and conference tourney title again, but fails to get to the second weekend again, will this season be a disappointment again? <laughs> it's, you got to feel the moment almost because last year we were saying all year how, oh, you know, if we don't make past the round of 32, it's going to be a colossal failure. And I was re-listening to some of our podcasts and – that were verbatim from my mouth. That is exactly what I said a week before the tournament. Then literally you asked me if the season was a failure after we lost to Wisconsin. And I said, no, it's not. And I don't know what, what made me change. I guess it was just because I, I, I don't, I don't know. I really, I really don't know what would make me change my answer. So, I mean, as we sit here in October, I would say yes, because this team has a lot more talent than just around the 32 team. That's for sure, and to see them fall short again would be pretty sickening. But I don't, I don't know if. Would you rather have a Sweet Sixteen appearance and no conference championship and no conference tournament win, or would you rather have both of those and around thirty-two lost again? I mean, I, I think the answer is pretty easy. I'd rather have the, the former. No. Well, when it came to last year, I was definitely disappointed to losing to Wisconsin. Yes, I think that the NCAA uh, might have conspired against us with that, um, sure, uh, eight seed disguised or a four seed disguised. (laughs) And the ensuing path that could have theoretically happened had some other things went down. Mm -hmm. But uh, while I was disappointed, there there was a little bit of an excuse in that there was no Mari Spellman, no Phil Booth, very limited. Depth wise, I mean, I I don't think that they could have repeated on that on such a short roster. Right, fair. That is a fair point. This time around, yeah, there's no Josh Hart, 
but we have a lot more bodies and a lot of people who can contribute. I, I would think it's a disappointment if they lose. If they don't make it to the second round, you don't play for conference titles. I mean, yeah, you want to win them, but at the end of the day, the goal is to go super far, as far as you can. You don't see the Patriots celebrating their division title. Perfect. Yes, I know you're going with this. <laughs> you don't see the Yankees celebrating that they won the AL East or that they captured a wild card. They're trying to go all the way. Right. You have bigger goals in mind. Yeah. I mean, and they kind of did that last year. Like after they won the tournament, uh, conference tournament, they didn't really do much celebrating. So I'll give them that. But yeah, that was nice. That was that was. I yeah, like the, I like the business approach. I will give them that. I guess you don't say that the ultimate goal is to win just a conference title. You want to go as far as you can and hopefully contend for a national title. Right, and I think Villanova is one of those teams that can say that they're looking to go all the way. And I think that if they don't make it to the second weekend, that would be disappointing, and it would be definitely it would definitely be a let, a letdown. Yeah. So to answer the question, are we, I, I think we're going with the yes. It would be disappointing, a failure. One last question from Steve ninety two: pros and cons of legitimate possible. Go big and go small lineups that Jay can go with this season. Well, the pro of the go big is I, f- I feel that it would be the, probably the best defensive unit they can have out there now. So we, we were talking about this before the show. We were saying what? Jalen, Bridges, Pascal, Omari, and then either Painter or Co- Cosby Roundtree is the five you were, you, you were saying? Yeah, or, yeah, to like fill in. Yeah, the villain. Yeah, and that that that's a pretty, pretty beast defensive lineup, and and I think that's the point of a go big type lineup. I mean, and obviously you can score inside, but you know with Spellman being able to stretch the floor, you can even score with that lineup too. It's going to be sick to watch. Um, and then the pros of the go small. I mean, it's going to be quick, lots of cuts, lots of three point shooting, lots of ball movement. I mean, just imagine a guard combo of Jalen, Dante, Phil. And then you got Spellman and Pascal inside with Spellman the ability to stretch. It's going to be great. Now, that being said, that could be a big defensive liability, especially with Bridges not on the floor. I feel like if Bridges isn't on the floor, I feel like the defense kind of it goes down significantly. Not that anybody else can't make up that defense, um, but I, I feel I feel that with Bridges on the floor, they have the best chance of actually getting a stop. So it, I I look forward to going with both, and I actually hope that Jay does mix it up at least early on to get a feel for his team and to get these guys to a feel for playing with each other. Because just just imagine, like like you said, like this is one of the tallest teams they've had in years. Just imagine a tall team playing with a Villanova jersey on. That's just crazy to think about. I will say that a go the benefits of a go small lineup would be that there's a lot of comfort in that. It's basically what they ran last year. There was a lot of small ball last year. Yes. And so, you know, you have a lot of the same pieces coming back or some guys you can just plug and play. There's going to be a lot of familiarity, a lot of comfort in going small, and that is definitely a plus. Go big. I can see some fluidity issues when it comes to offense, but defensively they should be pretty solid still. I would love to see that. I remember when they ran – Possibly one of the biggest lineups Jay has ever run in his in the last five years when they played against Kansas, and I think at the time it was Arch, Jenkins, Bridges, Reynolds, and Ochefu. Yeah, at one point, no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. that was like, I was like, oh my god, this is the biggest lineup they've ever <laughs> ran in, like ever. This was fun to watch. This was cool. It was something different. Yeah, no, you're right. So hey. that's that's kind of how I feel about both sides of the coin there. Yeah, fair enough. So there's there's no football this weekend. The Wildcats are on a bye week. We will say that there are a few games to watch for. We got the seven and seven men's soccer. They're facing off Butler in what will be an exciting rematch of last year's intense Big East tournament semifinal game. We got field hockey. They have their senior day on Sunday at twelve noon versus Ryder. Women's Volleyball hosts Georgetown on Saturday night at 7. Swimming and Divings participating in the first meet of the year in the Philadelphia Relays this weekend, taking on the likes of Drexel, LaSalle, and UPenn. And if you don't want to do any of that, be sure to check out our season preview articles on View Hoops. We've been rolling out a new player profile each day, 
and some articles in between. Thank you again for listening. That's all the time we have for today. I think we ran a little over. We might we might have yeah. to work on we're gonna have to work on getting back in podcast form. We need to get back to mid season form ASAP. Yeah, yeah we we gotta we this was a more of a get the cobwebs off type episode. I mean there was plenty to talk about. I mean it's big East Media Day, you got all these storylines. But it's okay. We'll be back. You know, we'll be pumping out new podcasts every Tuesday and Thursday. We will be your season companion as we unfold through the 2017-18 year. In the meantime, please follow us on Twitter at VU Hoops. Also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and or Podomatic. Also, follow me, Eugene Pay. On Twitter at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Nancy out at the Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Thursday. Thank you again for listening. It's great to be back. And we'll be back at it again on Tuesday morning. <laughs>